0: Well, yeah, so how do we get the most out of Sundays? Um, I found out in the first service that I already didn't really find out I knew. I'm very passionate about a lot of things we're going to be talking about. And so, because of that, I have like 18 imaginary soapboxes that I'm seeing here on the stage. And I've got to be very disciplined at the 11 because of the nine, I wanted to stand on each of them. But we have a lot of ground to cover. And because of that, we're going to be in a lot of different passages of scripture this morning. So, we just read from Psalm 95. We will be kind of dipping in and out of it at different points. But just know we're going to go a lot of different passages and we're going to have them all on the screen for you. Don't feel like you have to flip there. They will be there um, on the screen. But yeah. Uh, with this idea though of how to get the most out of Sundays, I wanted to start in Psalm 95 because one thing that sticks out to me is at the beginning of the Psalm, the, the writer is beckoning people to come and enter basically into worship with the collective people of God, but with, with joy, and with passion and thanksgiving. I, when I read this, I really get the sense of like a spiritual intensity that, that as people gather, there's going to be a lot of emotion and a lot of really leaning in and, and people experiencing incredible things. But then, what's interesting, and I don't know if you felt this when we read it, But you get to verse eight, and it feels like it takes this weird kind of turn. And all of a sudden, um, the writer says, hey, today, if you hear God's voice, do not harden um, your hearts. And then it refers to these different events. And at these different events, the people were having these experiences of God, but their hearts were hardened, and then they were not listening to God um, anymore. And, And so it's interesting that in the same psalm, basically, the writer is beckoning people to worship this God who is worthy of worship, because he's the creator of everyone and everything, including us. But then he also is aware that while you can have that experience of worship that is so so joyful and so intense, you could also potentially miss it out if you're not approaching it the right way. And this is true, I think, not just when it comes to God, but this is true of all of life. Have you ever noticed that people can be at the same event um, or have the same device, but have very different experiences of those things, depending on how they approach it? Uh, And so what I'm actually gonna do to kind of illustrate this for us is I'm gonna read you some descriptions that I made along with a little help from ChatGPT, uh, of some different things. And I'm not going to tell you what they are. We're going to put a picture on the screen here in a few minutes, but I'm just going to read you some descriptions of events and what people's experience of them could be. Uh, I want you to guess what they are. We'll reveal it on the screen. And then I'm going to, though, maybe say, all right, here's a different experience you could have of this exact same thing. Let's do our first one. Um, let's start with this. Crowds electrified. Emotions Emotions in harmony. Some of you are like thinking, oh, like Seahawks game, including the ups of emotions and downs of emotions, depending on how they're doing kind of a thing. But let, let's stick together. Not quite there. Lyrics like confessions. Lyrics like confessions. Fans in sync. Moments unforgettable. Memories made. Hits and heartstrings. Time suspended. Connections forged. Anthem sung. Dreams illuminated. A- any guesses so far? Okay. People at this place, there are some people who need to calm down. (laughs) The last reference, Swifties Unite. We are at a Taylor Swift concert. Whoever said that out loud, like, were you at the Seattle one a few weeks ago? I'm just saying, I feel like you were there and you know where we were going with this. But yeah, Taylor Swift concert, which, you know, by all accounts, the people who've been to them are, it's insane. In fact, um, the one in Seattle broke the local record for a Richter scale. It actually registered on the Richter scale. Um, The previous record was when I think 2011 or 12 and Marshawn Lynch went beast mode, scored a touchdown, and it registered on the Richter scale. Taylor Swift beat Marshawn Lynch, like beat him down, had a higher level. Of people screaming and stuff for two hours. And so people are going crazy. I think this is a moment where there's like a selfie going on. Everybody's raising their hands, getting into it, looks of joy and everything. And so you got this people here that really experienced everything I just mentioned and like memories are being made and everything. But what I did though is actually I zoomed into the picture and I tried to find people who maybe weren't having the same experience that the majority of these people were. And so I found our first guy right here. <laughs> Not very impressed uh, at all. He's not having the same experience as everyone else. Now, I will say, if you look, you know, it seems like maybe he's working the events. But even there, it's like, dude, you're on camera. At least, like, Smile, you know. Although I will say, it's like maybe something to be said that the more you experience something, you know, you kind of get a little dull to it. But still, this guy doesn't seem to be having a great time. The next one is not going to be as much zoomed in, but I caught a random dad in the uh, the crowd right there. And and if you really, I wish you could see a little bit closer like I am. Is it just as obvious? He's got his hands in his pockets, or they're crossed. Um, I've never been to a Taylor Swift concert, but I have a lot of friends who are dads who have gone to take their daughters, and some people get really into it. Like some dads like wear like and carry posters that they've made and get really into it this dad is like that dad he's the one who's like I don't care if everybody's raising their hand nope not doing it not doing it not smiling I'm just gonna look at the camera full of joy no nah, so I'm just I'm just pointing this out to say hey the majority of the people were experiencing what I described but then you had some people there that because of how they approached that event's didn't get as much out of it. They didn't have the same experience. Like, if they were to write descriptions, it might be eardrums bursted, you know, (laughs) uh, awful crowds, long lines of cars, stuff like that. So, different experience, but it was the exact same event. Um, Let's maybe use a device this time. Uh, I want to read the description to make it a little bit shorter. We are, we've got to be tight on time because we have a lot of ground to cover. Um, An iPhone. iPhone or Android users, anyone have like a smartphone out there? Okay, I was going to say, like, <laughs> saying if Corbin mentioned the 1900s earlier. It's like, oh, maybe we're just going back there. But anyways, yeah, smartphones. And so, like, just think about how revolutionary smartphones are. Like, I mean, you have the, like through the world at your fingertips. You can know almost any anything about anything in the world within seconds. You can connect with people from different countries. You can like design whole things. I saw a commercial um, a week or two ago. Olivia um, Marigas she or Rodrigo, I don't know, whatever her last name is, uh, pop star that I'm not very familiar with, but I saw a commercial, shot an entire music video using nothing but an iPhone. But then I know other people m- might be related to me that are my parents or grandparents that they also have smartphones, but mainly they just text and make phone calls. And like, if you're watching this family. I just want to say like I could like take you to Fred Meyer or Safeway and buy you a $40 Nokia phone that will do the exact same thing and you get Snake thrown in for free. Yeah. Kids and teenagers, if you don't know what Snake is, we do not have time to unpack that. But it was this amazing little addictive game back in the day. But yeah, same device, different experiences based completely on how you approach it. Some people, they had the phone, so it's not that they don't like it like our Taylor Swift friends up there. uh, But they were using it far below its potential. All right, now stick with me. Let's do one more. Let's do one more. And this is more going back to an event slash experience. Let me read you this description and see if you know what it is. Hope Alive. Grace extended, miracles happening, people united, the cross raised, self absorbed by a greater story, values spoken, destinies changed, the broken mended, the unexpected expected, believers strengthened, the lost found, the dead made alive, the word proclaimed, praise resounding, and the spirit moving. What am I talking about? Church. Talking about the place where we get to come together every Sunday and hear God's word, like literally, like the God who spoke the universe into existence is speaking to us through his word. And we get to lift up praise and all those things that I just mentioned can be experienced, but a lot of people miss out on it. Why? I think it's the same reason as, as the Taylor Swift concert and the iPhone. It's, it's really more about how they um, approach it. In fact, let me just go ahead and give you like the overarching, I guess, principle that maybe frames our whole day is this. When it comes to getting the most out of Sundays, in my experience, you typically get out what you put in. Like, you typically get out of a Sunday what you put into a Sunday. Now, some here would respond and say, well, like, but what if, like, the music and the preaching are subpar, the service isn't that great? And, like, what if people are, like, really unfriendly? Oh, for sure. And, like, and listen, that's why we want to create an atmosphere that feels like family here. It's why we really try to make sure that we're greeting people and really just loving people and extending grace. It's, it's why we're very intentional about how we craft services. And we really are trying always to improve on how we execute on them. And, like, we are. And that is for sure part of it. But I've been able to been blessed and to have a wide variety of experiences when it comes to church and, and like what it's looked like. I um, have been in churches where literally it was old school pipe organ, and not like the pipe organ settings on an electric keyboard, but like actual metal pipes like on the side of the wall, organist playing old school hymns where they would always skip the second verse and like they go first, third, and fourth verse or something like that. For those of you who grew up in that kind of environment, you know what I'm. I don't know. Like, why did they write the second verse if we never sing it kind of a thing? I don't know either. Um, but yeah, so like I've been in that kind of environment. Um, I've also been on staff at uh, churches of ten to 15,000 people that had the sleekest equipment. Um, I was part of one church that puts out worship albums and songs that are sung around the world, and we've sung them here before. And you know what I've seen in both those places? I've seen people in both of those types of environments who seemed alive and they were engaged with God and going all in on their worship of him. And there was people in both environments who were dead and disinterested. Um, when it comes to, like interaction personally at both larger churches and smaller churches i've seen people who were very cold and didn't really weren't very friendly and i've seen people who are very warm i've seen people who were very relational and people who were ve- very aloof so don't get me wrong like we do have a responsibility as a church and like i'd even say like members know that you're a part of that like one of the things that we sometimes say to members for example in being relational is like members or even regular attenders if you see someone like sitting or standing alone that's an emergency Like we want you to lean in and to go meet people. So don't get me wrong. We have a part to play. But in my experience, a large part of what you get out of a Sunday is what you put into the Sunday. And so today, we just want to be very helpful. In fact, uh, someone came up to me after the last service, and they're like, hey, that was just really helpful. And I'm like, ah, oh. like, that's what we're aiming for. We want it to be very helpful to help you get the most out of this Sunday, because we really believe, like, again, that description, hope alive, grace extended, people united, destinies changed, the lost being found, the dead being made alive. Like, we want that to be your experience every Sunday, but a lot of it's going to be based on how you approach the Sunday and what you put into it. But before we get there, here's what I want to do, though, is uh, instead of just diving into the how, I want to at least get us on the same page of like, what are we talking about when we say Sundays? Like, what all does that encompass? And and like, why does this matter so much? So I'm going to go through just four things briefly. This is one of those places where it'd be easy for me to get on the soapbox because I'm passionate about each of these things, but I want to just kind of breeze through these. It's going to be more of a 40,000 foot overview. I wish I could go deeper on any of them, but we're just going to just kind of do more of an overview of like what's happening on a Sunday and why does it matter? And why could it be the best day of our week? Uh, first thing, Sundays are a great opportunity too. we'll put these on the screen, to worship God. Now, I actually believe every human being, not just every Christian, I think every human being is a worshiper. We are all wired for worship. Every person is basically looking some, for something that is worthy of their time, worthy of their money, worthy of their emotions, worthy of their affections. We're all that way. Like today, if you're watching the NFL, you are watching a very large worship service today. If you go and check out of a game. Because think about it, at a game, like you're watching people who do things that you can't do and all of your emotions are invested in what they do. And when they do something amazing, you go crazy because of what they did. It's a form of worship. I'm not saying like you're being evil. I'm just saying we are all wired to give ourselves to something that is bigger than ourselves. And when we come here on Sundays, the thing that we're trying to do is to remind ourselves that there is a God in heaven who like Psalm 95, did you catch that? He is the maker of everything And he's sovereign over the depths, it says, and over the highest mountains and everything in between. We're trying to remind ourselves that there's actually ultimately a God who's the only one worthy of our worship. And and that's why, if I could give you a definition of of what uh, worship is, what Christian worship is, it's our response with all that we are to all that God is, all who God is, and all that he has done, is doing, and will do. I'll say that again in case you're a notes person and just take notes, which I encourage you to always do. Um, Christian worship is a response to all that God is, that all that he's done is doing and will do. So when we come on Sundays, we are reminding ourselves and we're putting our attention on God and who he is and what he has done so that we can then respond and offer all of ourselves to God. And when we do that, I hope you understand, like we're doing something like internally really cool right now. Um, I referenced it earlier, but in the Bible, whenever we get a picture and really you get to see God and who he is and and a magnification of what he's done, oftentimes it's in heaven. And oftentimes what we see is people are worshiping for it. So classic examples in the Old Testament in Isaiah 6, uh, the prophet Isaiah sees this vision of God and it says he's high and exalted and lifted up and he is massive and what he sees though Isaiah does is he's he's looking up at God, he sees these angels surrounding him and there's four of them and they're singing, they're lifting up praise and worship to God and they're so into it. the angels are that it says the temple, this massive structure, the foundations of it were quaking, it's like Taylor Swift is a wannabe compared to what these angels were doing. They're just going after it worship because they see God for all he is and then their response is to worship him in an appropriate way. Um, in the New Testament, in the book of Revelation, there's a guy named John. He gets a vision of heaven um, and he sees... Um, millions of angels and people who are already in heaven. And you know what they're doing? They're lifting up praise because they're seeing God and Jesus for who he really is. And they're praising him for being the creator. And guess what? Also for being the savior, for being a person who came and saved us from our sins, for what he had done. When we gather together to sing and and, and to listen to God's word, we're joining in the heavenly host. It's like for an hour, we're not just gathering here and just kind of singing some songs. Like like right now, together, we are joining the host of heaven who are basically saying, God, you are the only one worthy of our worship. I want to dive in so much more, but I'm going to avoid that temptation. Let's go to the next one. So we're here. It's an incredible opportunity to worship God. But number two, it's an incredible opportunity to connect with others. Let's be real. When I say that, you're like, "Yeah." first one, like, yeah, that's epic. That's awesome. Second one's like, oh, yeah, connect with others. Like, no, that's why we phrase it, how do you get the most out of Sundays and not the most out of worship? Because Sundays is, yes, when we gather in here to worship God, and that is the focal point. But Sundays is also an incredible opportunity to connect with others who, by the way, the Bible says we're made in God's image. Like, real quick, look at the people around you right now. Like, seriously, look at like your people on your left and right. Look at the people sitting around you. The people you're looking at are not your annoying siblings. I know some of you were thinking of it in the room, kids and students, kind of a thing. It's not, you're like, you know, it's not, and it's not. Oh, that's just so and so, or that is so and so. Like, you're looking at immortals. You're looking at people who literally are going to live forever somewhere. Who, because God like made them, and the Bible says they're made in the image of God. Like, God like put His stamp on them. And they are eternally weighty and valuable people. And one of the things I think that God wants us to do is when we're here is to connect with others in a deep and profound way. Because when that happens, incredible things can happen. And and so, yes, sometimes it is the small chat that for sure happens. And sometimes we minimize that. But remember COVID when we couldn't make small chat for like a couple years? It was so great to make small chat again, right? Um, But even like, I just think of some incredible opportunities that are available to us if we'll lean into them. Um, A few weeks ago, someone told me about a potential diagnosis of cancer they had. In that moment, I got to just stop and to connect with them and to pray with them. Um, I think of someone who came in um, about nine to ten months ago into the church, really made some bad decisions, bad mistakes in their life. Came in, and you could just tell they were kind of sheepish, like they, they didn't actually belong here because of all that they'd been doing. And we just looked at that person. We just said, there's no place we'd rather you be than right here, right now. Person just teared up immediately. Now, we could have just said, oh, thanks for, you know, thanks for coming and everything like that. And they go and like, but just because we took that moment, like God used that to minister to them. God has done that in my life. Times where people have just stopped and just said, hey, how are you doing? Even like I'm looking at some people in the room, like on Sundays, I have the chance to learn from such wise, godly people. Like we have an incredible opportunity to connect with people made in the image of God. Let's not minimize that. Number three, we have the opportunity to serve the church. Um, It's interesting that in the Old Testament, you had this group of people called the priests and the Levites, and they were people who um, worshiped God. In a sense, on behalf of the people, they offered up sacrifices um, to God on behalf of the people, and they also then served the people as well. Um, In the New Testament, do you know who it refers to as priests? Us. Us. Like you are a priest, you are a servant of God for sure. And so what part of what we're doing, even as I referenced earlier, Hebrews 13, part of what we're doing here is we're offering up a sacrifice of praise as you, as you worship God. And even throughout your whole life, um, Romans 12, one says, in view of God's mercies, therefore let us offer up our bodies as living sacrifices. We are all priests. And for sure that involves us worshiping God, but that also means as we serve each other. And, and, and here's um, one of my favorite um, miracles in, in the New Testament is when Jesus turns water into wine. Okay, so I thought a few of you were about to laugh at that. I was like, don't laugh at that. Like, that's like, that's a fun miracle. It's a cool miracle. But you know what's interesting about that miracle? Um, who were the only people who actually saw the miracle take place and knew there was a miracle? The servants. If you were at the party, all you knew is, oh yeah, more wine came out and it's better than the one before. The people who actually got to see the cool work of God take place with the people behind the scenes that were then serving. And here's what I'm going to tell you. Like you coming, like if you come and you worship God and you come towards others, that's great. But I will say you get to see some God do some cool things when you're serving that you don't get to see if you do just attend. Now, here, here's one thing I'll say though, is this can mean serving formally, like you, you you serve in Redeemer Kids or a hospitality team. But I also want you to hear me say, this can just look like serving informally of like being a person when you're in here, if, when you're in here, if you do, do see someone sitting alone and it seems like they're new or they're lonely you're just going up to them and introducing yourself and you never know what that person's been through at that moment that might have been the first time all week someone was kind to them in that moment you're getting like a front row seat to god doing a work in someone's life it's amazing last thing sundays are incredible opportunity to hear the gospel to hear the gospel we try to do this we, try? we do this every Sunday through no matter what we're preaching. We really try to have this moment. I'm going to have to do it right here in a moment where we remind ourselves that our faith is not primarily about what we do. It's about what Jesus has done for us. And, and so even like when we're talking about worship, um, I'm about to give you some ways so you get the most out of it. But I'm just going to go ahead and tell you I felt the ways that I'm about to give you. <laughs> and you're going to as well. But you know what's amazing? We don't come in and worship based on if we're worthy or not. We come in and we get to worship because Jesus is worthy and because Jesus died for all the places where I'm unworthy. (laughs) So no matter what your week was like this past week, let's say you had a terrible week of a lifestyle of worship. When you come in here, you get to come in here and still worship God because Jesus, everywhere you failed, he succeeded this past week and he died for all the places you fell short. (laughs) Let me put it this way. You are worthy through Jesus to worship a God who is worthy of your worship. So every week we want to hear the gospel, both for those who don't even know Jesus, who have yet to have a relationship with him, but even for those of us who do, like we got to remind ourselves of the heart of our faith. Making sense so far? Okay, now these kind of, now that we've kind of established, okay, what are like Sundays about? Like, What are the main things that we do? And I would say there might be some other stuff I put up there, but for time's sake, I'm going to limit it to these four for now. How then do you get the most out of these things? How do you get the most out of a Sunday? And I want to just remind us, it's what we put into it. Now, with that being said, I want to kind of take us through this structure of before Sundays on Sundays, and then after Sundays. And I really encourage you to take notes on this and to begin even living this out in this next week, okay? So before Sundays, here's what I encourage you to do. Number one, come prepared. Come prepared. Um, I, I was out when we first started the service and, and Corbin was introducing today. I don't know if he mentioned a phrase I like to use, but I, I call it preheating the oven. Uh, here, here's what I mean by that. I, I, at, at my house, I, am not, I don't have a lot of pet peeves. I don't. I don't have like a lot of nuances, like, hey, I've got to have it done a certain way, but I will say there's two or three things that, that I do. One is how dishes are loaded in the dishwasher. I see some nodding heads, but what's interesting in this is I, I learned when I got married, there's different strategies that are involved in how people load dishwashers. And my wife's is right and mine is wrong. Um, <laughs> Say that she's sitting right here, and I just really don't want to get in trouble after this. But yeah, so anyways, that's the thing. I'm kind of peculiar on, but here's the second thing. It drives drives me crazy. I love my family, but there's one thing that they do quite often. Is often like if they want to um, eat a, a hot pocket or pizza rolls or like bake something, is um, they'll turn on the oven like 350, 425, whatever, and they'll just stick that thing right in the oven. Like, they'll just stick whatever they're cooking right in the oven. And then they'll put a timer on there and it counts down to zero and it starts beeping. And then they get to that and they're like, huh, it's not done yet. And I'm always like, huh. Shocking. (laughs) Who would have guessed? Um, like the idea of like the idea of an oven is like you preheat the oven so that when like it comes time, you can actually put the food in and it's already been preheated and it's ready to go. Uh, uh, I think when it comes to Sundays a lot of times let's just be honest is like. We'll come in here on a Sunday and and like we maybe haven't been living a lifestyle of worship during the week and really haven't given God much thought. And then all of a sudden we're here and like, oh, like haven't really thought about Him for like the last last week or like we've come in here and like life's been busy this past weekend and we're tired. And that's not bad. It's just it's life. Um, Maybe if you like had the family in the car, you guys got in a fight and then like parents, you yelled at them for yelling at each other. I'm really good at that, <laughs> and that's something never pinned up all the time. Uh, but yeah, and like you're coming in here, and you just like all of a sudden you sit down or you go to stand, and you're like trying to sing. And let's just be real, you're like it's hard, right? Um, and it's because you haven't preheated the oven. And then by the time, often what happens, I don't know about you, but like I'll get to like the third song before we like sit down, and like I'll just finally like start filling it, and they're like, "All right, you may have a seat." I'm like, "Ah." Oh. Like now, like, oh, it was just finally to get into it. And the reason is because I hadn't preheated the oven. So let me just encourage you, come prepared, come preheated. Hey, how, how do you do that? I could give a list of 20 things, but let me just give you a few that I found helpful that I think are also just uh, scriptural things. Um, number one, as uh, I'd say, prayer. And, and let me give you a few things to pray for. Pray, number one, for yourself. Um, pray uh, for your heart. Um, I love Psalm 86.11. We may have it up on the screen for you. Psalm 86.11 says, Unite my heart to fear your name. One of my favorite uh songs of old is Come Thou Fount. Fan? In fact, let's do this. Uh participatory uh, Sunday. We're gonna sing the first verse together. Just first, first few words, okay? So if you know it, sing along with me. If not, just kind of l- listen to it for a second. Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy praise. Pause. Um, <laughs> and not because you're not doing great. You were doing awesome. Like You were doing fantastic. An expert, like poet, hymn writer wrote a song of worship where the first lyrics are basically, God, I'm not in a good place to worship. Where he was saying, like, hey, like tune my heart to sing your praise. And why did he write that? It's because sometimes when we come into worship, like, our hearts are out of tune. Maybe it is because, again, we have, like, a lot of things going on in our lives and we're just distracted. Maybe it's that we haven't been focused on God. That's why I love that song where the psalmist then says, hey, God, unite my heart to fear your name. Hey, my heart's all on different places. God, Unite my heart. Help me to be here. Help my heart's attention and affection to be on you. Another great one I pray for uh, myself, Psalm 119, 18. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. And so I often pray for that thinking of like the sermon because uh, when, when someone is preaching up here, it's not the voice preacher's edition um, where it's like, you know, you're kind of like, oh, I hope it's good this week. It's really more supposed to be like you're engaging and leaning in. And, and so, but well, what I'll do is I like, God, like as Rob or whoever is preaching, would you help me to see incredible things in your word as they're preaching? And would you speak to me um, as they're preaching? preaching. So pray for yourself. Um, Pray for others. Pray for people in your family, friends. Pray for each other in the room. Um, Pray for those leading us from the stage. For those that are actually leading in like music, pray that they would not be performing, that they wouldn't be just trying to like play the song well. Pray that they would actually just be leading us in worship by worshiping God themselves. Pray for the people. Pray for the person preaching. Um, uh, Charles Spurgeon, arguably Top two or three, if not number one, greatest preacher of all time. He was once asked, hey, what's the secret to the power of your preaching? And here's what he said. My people pray for me. Pray for the person preaching. As you've also been earlier praying for yourself to receive that preaching. Um, So prayer is a fantastic thing. Read scripture. If you know the the verses that we're gonna be going over that week on Sunday, read them before you get there. If not, like open up Psalm 95 or something like that. All the psalms are like basically it's these great psalms to tune our hearts, to tune us to worship. So read scripture. Another great little practical tip, listen to worship music in the car or at home. Again, just to kind of get, preheated to get ready. There's so much else I could go into, but i got to be careful. I'm starting to lose some time. Alright, so come prepared. Number two, come with intention and expectation. So again, this is before Sunday or even like on the way to Sunday services. Come with intention and expectation. When I when I say intention, it's really the idea of, hey, um, instead of feeling like I'm being drugged along to church, like if uh, I'd say especially like if you're a kid or student and you get to a place where like, oh, I don't want to go. Like No, like come with intention. Like I'm going to come and worship. It's purposeful. Um, Psalm 95. What did we read earlier? Come, let us Sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. So instead of just arriving at at church and all of a sudden feel like it's just going to be able to turn it on, the, the psalmist here is beckoning the people to say, No, no, let us come. Let us come with intention of this is what we are about to do. And I'd also say, Come with expectation that God is going to do great things in you, through you, and around you. Expectation is a form of faith. I don't know if you've ever thought of it that way, but let's think of it this way. There's some uh, verses that I love for um, worship as I'm thinking about worship and as I'm thinking about Sundays. John 4, Jesus at one point says, the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. So I read that and basically it's almost like a promise like saying like, hey, I'm looking for people who will come and want to seek me and lean into me and worship me in spirit and truth. And so when I read that, I should come with an expectation that if I come worshiping God in spirit and truth, God is in that moment seeking me. And then I also think of James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will what? Draw near to you. And so when I read that, I think, okay, if I come, again, I'm not coming perfect. That's why the gospel is so beautiful. But when I come and as best as I can, I'm trying to draw near to God. I should be expecting that God is going to fulfill what he said in his word and draw near to me. And if I'm not expecting it, I don't know that I'm really believing him and taking him at his word. It's making sense. So like when you come, like just, those are just a few verses. There's so many others. Like you should come with a sense of expectation that God wants to speak to you, that he wants to do amazing things in and through your life and in through you to other people that are here as you're connecting with other people. Like come with a sense of expectation. In my experience, churches, churches, where I've just seen Sundays be so transformational, they had an atmosphere of expectation. And when you have an atmosphere of expectation, great things begin to happen. So come with some expectation. All right, so that's before Sundays. What about on Sundays? Like what if I, when we're actually like here on property and in the room together? Number one, I'd say engage God with all of your being. Engage God with all of your being. And again, just remember, we're going all over the scriptures because this is this is a topic that we can not encapsulate in one. That's why I'm kind of going here and there. But for this one, I think of uh, the greatest commandment that Jesus gave us, right? Um, referring to the Old Testament, he said, love the Lord your God. We'll have it, here, have it here on the screen. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. And in other versions, it says, and strength. Now, he's saying love the God with all of your being, but I love that it actually lists out the different component pieces of who we are. Like, love the God with all of your heart. God wants your emotions i 've been in churches that maybe missed that memo. Um, this is not one of them, but i 've been in some churches maybe that missed that memo they they 've maybe even thought that emotions were bad, but that 's interesting to me because in the original um, language of the New Testament Greek, do you know what the word for non emotion is? Apathy pathos can mean emotion or experience or passion. Ah is non, so non-passion, non-emotion. God wants your emotions. Uh, we saw here in this text, right? Let us sing to the Lord, let us make a what joyful noise. God wants our emotions. I'd also say though that if you're in here and 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 life is so tough for you right now, that might be hard. But part of God wanting your emotions is also Him wanting the, the, like, the negative emotions that you're experiencing as well. Um, in the book of Psalms, there's these songs called the Psalms of Lament, where the person is crying out their heart to God and they're not feeling joy. They're feeling anguish and they're feeling some doubt and despair, but yet they're still lifting up songs to God. You know why? Because God wants our emotions. Well, what if you do <laughs> if the emotions aren't there? Anyone ever had a Sunday like that where you just weren't feeling it like you came with some intention, like you came with, hey, I want to come and I want, I want to worship. But you, you you just plop down and maybe you even like preheated the oven, so to say, but you just start singing and just nothing's coming. What I do in that moment is I remember God doesn't just want my heart, my emotions. He also wants my what? My mind. I can love the Lord my God with all of my mind. And so like I actually did this earlier in the first service. I was kind of rushed right before. Um, I, I plopped down. I'm like, okay, I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not feeling it right now. So what I began to do is as we were singing, I began to think with my mind, okay, what am I singing right now? What do, what do these words mean? And then and then, and then there is that lyric, I think, in the second song where it says, Great is your faithfulness to me. And so what I began doing, I began thinking, God, how have you been faithful in my life in the past week? Now they just closed my eyes and just begin to think of it. God, where have you been faithful in my life throughout my whole life? And I literally just began in my mind, and sometimes I'll even do it verbally, just quietly under my breath, so I don't want to distract anyone else, of just saying out loud the ways that God's been faithful to me. And you know what uh, happened as I began to do that? I began to feel my heart warm up. So even if you're not feeling it, you can still worship God with your mind. You can worship God with your body. One thing, practical thing, is worship him with your vocal cords, like... Sing, Um, and you're like, I'm not a good singer. Listen, 36% of the room aren't great singers. I'm not gonna name names, but like, I'm joking, guys. That was a joke, I'm just teasing. But no, seriously, like, it's it doesn't matter like how great of a singer you are or not. God wants your praise, even if it is through an out-of-tune instrument. He wants your praise. So part of it, I say, man, like when it comes time to sing, sing. Um, Another thing, um, I don't know if you saw in uh, Psalm 95 when we read it, what does it say? Let us worship, and what? Bow down. So let me just do this for us. Like I'm not saying we all have to bow, but why why would it say worship and bow down? Because in the context, it was talking about how God was what? A king. And often in this culture, when a king comes, like you bow down. Now I can reverence the king and I can submit to the king and be humble before him without actually bowing. I could say, well, it's in my heart, or oh, it's in my mind. I know that I'm subserving. But there is something about when I bow down, my body is basically forcing my mind and heart to come into alignment with reality and so sometimes when we're in here maybe what you could do is begin just to worship god more with your body and for some it can be lifting hands For some it could be maybe you just need to sit or maybe you do need to bow down where you are and pray and listen people have different personalities so i'm not trying to say you have to do this or you have to do that in fact if anything i would just say like everyone find your own worship posture and begin leaning into god with all of your being i wish i could give so much more but um we got to press on number two Second thing in terms of on Sundays, be a there you are person, not a here I am person. So this is no longer talking about necessarily in here. I'd say this is just the totality of the Sunday, especially when we're connecting with people. Be a there you are person, not a hey, here I am person. Um, Can we all agree that everything is about Jesus? Like it's all about Jesus, right? We all agree that. Like we want Jesus to be center stage, the focus uh, of everything, right? Here's what's interesting about Jesus. Have you ever noticed that when Jesus was here on earth, he was always about others. So everything is about Jesus, but for Jesus, he was all about other people. Have you, have you ever noticed that when Jesus was in a crowd of dozens or hundreds or even thousands, he had this crazy way of finding the one or two or three people who needed a special touch. Sometimes that was really physically, like they need to be healed. But encouragement or truth, he just had this way of finding people. And he could have said, hey, it's all about me. And that would have been true, but he didn't. His flinch, his gut was actually to see what people needed and to really say, hey, there you are. I'm going to move towards you. And and here's my experience is when we have this kind of a posture when we come on Sundays where it's not so much about us, but it's it's about others. And hey, even like sometimes what I do when I come in is I think, God, there's a lot of people here today. Who do you most want me to talk with? What questions do you want me to ask them? Um, is there someone you want me to pray with today? And it's amazing then to see how God has answered those prayers and moments. And I, I, let me just encourage you as you're coming in here. Listen, there are times when you are on dry and you're empty. 100%. And, and those times it is just good to receive. I get it. But on the whole, what I would say is, is like, think of it like a sponge. Um, a sponge does need to soak up water. But do you know that there's actually something called a saturation point where it can no longer soak up water? Like if you submerge a a sponge in water, you can get to the point where it literally cannot absorb any more water. You know what you have to do with that sponge? Squeeze it out, and then it's more useful. And I'd say the same way. Listen, as we become more, hey, there you are, people, and we're trying to meet people where they're at, we'll get more out because there is nothing like seeing the joy of God use you to encourage someone, to touch someone's life. All right. Let's now talk about post-Sunday. So that's on Sundays. A few, a few tips that we wanted to give you about how to make the most out of Sunday. What about after Sundays? What about when the Sunday is over? And I actually say, this is where I feel like you can actually, in a sense, get the most out of Sunday. Um, the power, it, like whenever you're doing a golf swing or, or a baseball swing, well, a lot of times what they'll tell you is the power is in the follow-through. It's not the actual, the initial swing you're even making contact. It's when you follow through. In the same way, so much of the power of Sundays is then when you follow through. Two things I'd say to encourage. You. Number one, reflect on and discuss what you experienced. It can be with your family, like over lunch on Sundays. It can be with um, a gospel community. GC is that what we form. One of the reasons is we do this. You don't have to discuss this a GC, but one thing that we would say, hey, discuss what you experienced and... What God did in your life, or what you saw. Um, I went to a U2 concert a few years ago. Uh, about uh, about f- a few years ago, like fifteen years ago, it was the first uh, North American date on their tour um, in Chicago. I had general admission seating on the floor, but that meant that hey, it's first come, first served. I got there at two in the morning with three friends of mine, and were the first four people in line. Like I actually have a picture of a number one on my hand. I was the first person in line. Get there, like I'm pretty sure the edge and Bono sweated like on me, and like it's like like anointed me with like holy music or something like that um, that made some of you gross out it's okay just stick with me for a second but no, like, it was this amazing experience by the way that weekend the previous night I had seen the Chicago Cubs in person I'm a lifelong Cubs fan and then after I saw you two the next morning I flew out and surprised my wife and uh, proposed to her Pretty epic 48 to 72 hours, pretty awesome. But here, here's what's interesting is like when I meet with my friends and like sometimes we're like reminiscing and talking about it, as we're reflecting on it and sharing, you know what happens? Some of the joy from the initial moment comes back. And I think that's what happens is we reflect on and discuss whatever we learned. A different analogy that I would use also, it's almost like driving home a nail into a piece of wood. I like to think of like when we're here on Sundays, those leading, we're trying to get the first a few fish, like, things kind of set to where like the nails in there. But where you really drive it home is when you begin to do more of this first thing. That's why like in the book of of Acts, it says that the people, um, the early Christians met in the temple, gathering like this. But then it says, and they met house to house, sharing life again, I got to be careful. There's so many sub-boxes I'm going to do, but I'm going to give you the last one. And then I actually want us to actually experience this together, uh, of worship together. Last thing I'd say in terms of after Sundays, apply what you've learned. Uh, In the book of James, it says, don't just be hearers of the word, be doers of the word. Be people who actually put it in to practice, um, the way I would phrase it is like this. The best sermon that you've ever heard when it comes to actually like applying what you've learned maybe through God's word, uh, the best sermon you've ever heard is probably the best one you've ever listened and the best that you've ever applied. Uh, I had a professor who was also a pastor and when he would, uh, in the service, a lot of times people would go and greet him at the door and just say, hey, great sermon, great sermon. And he was always very kind and gracious, but what he would often say is when people would say, hey, that was a great sermon, he would kindly, gently, not sarcastically, he would say, we'll see. <laughs> and what he meant by that, he wasn't like trying to be rude because like he would, the comp- he would accept the compliment. What he was trying to say is, is like, hey, like the measure of like the sermon is not like it was his oratorical abilities. The measure is, is the fruit that God wants to bring out of that as people apply it to their lives and actually live it out on Monday through Saturday and not just hear it on Sunday. So the only thing I would encourage you is when you, when you, when you gather together and we're hearing um, God's word together, immediately begin thinking through, how do I apply this? Like what needs to be different in my life? By the grace of God and remembering the gospel, but say, what, what, God, what do you want to do in my life? How do I apply this? And that's when you truly get the most out of Sundays. Because then Sundays don't just stay on Sundays, they invade the rest of your week. Has this been been helpful to get some good handles at least to begin maybe leaning in and get more out of Sundays? I hope it has been. But here's what I want to do. Um, I said that we could do that after Sundays. I actually want to begin doing this now. So I was thinking, how how can we close this? I I want to close by actually having us put some of this into practice right now. So here's what we're going to do. I mentioned earlier how worship is is our response with all that we are to all that God is, like who he is in his attributes and all that he has done for us. Um, and so I'm going to prompt you with some things from Psalm 95, just one or two, um, that I just want you to think about. And I'll, and I'll guide you a little bit to think, have you think on some different things, but I'm just going to ask you like engage in this moment and begin worshiping God in your seat. Band's going to come up and they're going to be playing behind me. And then we're actually also going to use this to set up for our time of communion. And how we can focus our hearts there. But here's what I invite you to do just close your eyes so you can just maybe get focused. Don't worry about the people around you. Worship is our response to all that God is. In Psalm 95, it says, The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. And even a few verses before that, it said in his hand are the depths of the earth and the heights of the mountains are his. And what this text is saying is that everything in creation is God, that he formed all of it. I was just hiking a couple of days ago and I was just looking at pieces of grass and leaves and thinking God knows everyone and every single one that was fluttering in the winds, everyone was moving just the way God wanted. And So just begin to think about that, of God being a maker of the world and how massive he is then all-knowing, all-powerful. But that text also said, let us worship and bow down. Let us sing before the Lord, our maker. So the same God that, yes, made the stars and, and the heavens and he made the mountains and the sea and the depths and everything in between, he made you. He knows every hair in your head, He created you with purpose and with intention. He sees you. And just think on that for a moment. Personalize it. You can say things like, God, you are my maker. God, you formed and shaped me just as you wanted. Pray that God would stir your heart to really catch up with your mind even right now, that you would feel true emotions like that arise out of the knowledge that God is your personal maker. He is infinite in power and infinite scope, but he's also intimate and his knowledge of you. Worship is also, though, a response to what God has done. And every week, we take communion together. And the reason we do that is, is, number one, Jesus definitely told us to, but also because every week, we remind ourselves of the gospel. We hear the gospel through preaching, but we also experience it through communion. And every, every week, we take time to really want, we want to focus on all that Christ has done for us on the cross, and so even we're going to, and now we're going to be transitioning to a time of communion. I would just encourage you. We've got a cross up here on, on, on the stage behind me. Maybe it's more helpful for you just to close your eyes and visualize. But just take a moment and just really recall and, and think about Christ's death on the cross. And that it was for you. That he is your maker, but he is also your savior. And if it helps you, maybe just think like he saw every sin you would ever commit. And he paid for it all on the cross. And why? Because he loves you. And let that knowledge begin just to go into your head, but then also pray that it would move into your heart. And I'm praying even now that would just be stirring affections and love and emotions for him.